when they said to me let us go into the house of the Lord so we're in the house of the Lord and we're grateful we're thankful for this morning even though we're having technical difficulties but God is good anyway so thank you Lord good morning everyone my name is Anne Forbes Blaine I am um, Sharing this morning a very short exaltation, encouragement. Hope it will help you. Um, let us just quiet our hearts and get ourselves in the frame of mind for, to hear from God. So Lord, let me be an instrument of your peace. Let my words and let my mouth and my heart be meditated on you even now. Lord, use these words to bring glory to your name. We pray, O oh God, that even as I speak, Lord God, your voice would be heard, that I will not be in there in any way, shape, or form, but you may be glorified, you may be lifted up, Christ Jesus, that your name may be praised. You are a God of love, of mercy, of grace. We pray, Lord God, that your words of grace and encouragement and love will go through the waves and touch hearts and touch individuals as I speak. Lord God, that they will hear your grace and know your love for them is genuine and that you want to be in a relationship with them above all things that you may be lifted up in their lives that they recognize father god that you are with them even when they're alone or think they're alone you're always there whatever circumstances we're going through you are there for the last couple of weeks in jesus name amen for the last couple of weeks um we were talking about storms and we were talking about the fact that the Lord is in the midst of the storm and the fact that there are ways to go through the storm. We have different kinds of storms and it comes in different forms. And the enemy comes to kill, to kill steal and to destroy. 
but the Lord came that we may have life more abundantly. And so this morning I want to ask you a couple questions. Are you forgiven? And if you are, do you walk in that forgiveness? If you are not, forgiveness is available to you at the tip of your finger. Because the Lord forgives everyone. He came and died for us. So there's an opportunity for forgiveness. Um, my topic this morning is unforgiveness and how do we get rid of it? And there are many verses in the Bible and the Lord shows us different ways how to, to deal with it because as human beings, we go through life and different things happen to us, different situations. And um, some, some people are abused, some people are physically abused, emotionally abused, betrayed, judged, treated poorly by others, um, and so gossiped about, I, I mean, whatever your situation is, in life, something will happen that will cause you pain and hurt. And you have an opportunity to forgive others as Christ forgave you. We are naturally, as human beings, not loving and kind and wonderful like our Father. But instead, we can be very selfish and judgmental and wanting to be God and judge over people. And we hold on to hurts and we hold on to pain. And this is a choice we have. We can choose to move forward and find a way to heal our pain, or we can sit and wallow in it and do not move. In the church, we refuse to forgive. And Sometimes the truth is, we have forgotten how much Christ forgave us. If we remember clearly, when in the Gospels, when it stated who oh, Christ was on that cross, and he said, Father, forgive them. When he said, Father, forgive them, he was not just talking about, Father, forgive Pilate, forgive the soldiers, forgive um, Judas who betrayed me. But he was talking about you and me. Christ died for our sins. Christ died for every single sin that we have committed and plan to commit or have or will commit. Because when he died for our sins, the forgiveness went out and it was forgiveness for generations and generations. When Adam sinned, it caused all to sin. And Christ died for our sins. Unforg Let's get back to unforgiveness in our life. And think about the person who have hurt you the most. 
Is it someone very close to you? Is it a spouse? Is it a parent? Is it a child? Is it a best friend? Is it a co-worker? And today, um, in when I was preparing, this is not what I was preparing, but of course, God's will be done. <laughs> and it started with a scripture that um, I got a couple weeks ago, and the Lord reminded me of it. It was Micah 6, verse 8, where he said, As I showed you what is good, what does the Lord require? To act justly, and to love mercy, and walk humbly before your God. And I, I thought about that scripture. And I said, okay, Lord, you're telling me to walk humbly before you and, you know, you pray and you meditate on the humility. The mercy was never something that I meditated on. But while I started to prepare something else and the unforgiveness dropped in my spirit, this verse came back up. One other verse that came to mind when I looked up forgiveness, it says in be kind, Ephesians 4 verse 32, which says, be kind one to another, forgiving each other as Christ forgave you. Colossians 3.13 says, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. In the Lord's prayer, it also said, Lord, forgive us as we forgive our debtors. Forgiveness is not an easy road to travel, but it is a road that every single one of us has to travel. Because somebody is going to hurt us and somebody is going to bring us pain. Somebody is going to cause us some kind of offense. So like storms, forgiveness is necessary in our lives. Like storms, it comes. God is a God of love and therefore he chose to forgive us in in our midst, in our situation. And when somebody hurts us, we hold on to it. Sometimes it's easy because it's not something big. It does not affect us in our day to day. So just what, think of, um, I, I know you're not able to see me, but think of a situation like you bump your toe walking. It's not a, it can be painful, but it's not something that will carry on for days and days. But just think of somebody taking a chair, a metal chair, and hitting you in your back. That will cause some pain. That could cause some inner woundedness. A pain that would, would, would not be okay tonight after you rub Bengi or whatever it is on, on your wound. It will not just go away. It will still be there and 
it might take a couple of days or maybe maybe even a couple of weeks. Maybe I have to go to the hospital. Some emotional wounds are like that, that it's not just for today. It is something that is there with you. And unforgiveness is like that. When we have not forgiven the individual, it stays and it festers and it, it comes out in different ways in the things that you say, depending on your personality. Um, in my younger days, if you hurt me, you're going to know. Um, I'm going to tell you. I'm going to, I was more of an upfront person. If your personality is something to absorb things, then you will keep it and it festers and two months down the road, you're still in unforgiveness and it stays and it stays and it stays. Unforgiveness is like drinking poison and standing, waiting for the other person to drop dead. When I was preparing, I thought about something and I got a, an analogy from the Holy Spirit. I do not like amphibians. I do not like snakes or insects or lizards of any form or shape. And so... The thought of it was like um, unforgiveness, a more graphic way of explaining it. It's like hugging a cobra. If anyone knows anything about snakes, you know cobra is one of the most deadly snakes. And it's like hugging a cobra and being quite comfortable hugging that cobra and happy. And, and, and you're <laughs> you have the venom seeping into you and you're dying and you're singing along with your cobra because you're fine. That is unforgiveness. Because it is killing you inside and you don't, you're unaware. And you're pious about your position because that person hurt you and they deserve to, 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 to suffer. And the way of suffering is whatever you choose, whether you choose to speak out against the person every time you get a chance, to gossip about them, to um, show up their weaknesses and to show how the person is and hor how horrible the person is and you know, oh God is not blessing them or whatever it is that you do um, to justify yourself because you believe you were wronged. Uh, let us, for those who know the parable, it's, it's quite, um, it's from 20, the parable about unforgiveness and the unforgiving servant. I'm going to paraphrase this, this parable, but later on you can go and read about it. It's Matthew 18 verse 21 to 35. Here it was, the rich rich um, man, he had servants and the servant had owed him some money. But it wasn't a hundred dollars. It was like something like four hundred thousand, and he was not someone who is, who is able to earn that amount or a million dollars. And the servant cried unto his master and said, 
Master, please forgive me. I'm unable to pay you. And the, in his mercy, the master decided to forgive the servant and wipe his debt free. That is what the Lord did for us in terms of forgiveness. He wiped the debt free of our sins. But that same servant went out and he saw his friend who had five dollars for him and he strangled his friend and told him he had to give him back his money because he wanted back his money and he would lock him up and put away the key because his friend had did not have the money that is us when we know that someone has sinned against us and we insist that they pay their debt and we insist that the debt is paid comparing to what the lord has forgiven us of we are insisting on the debt being paid we need our pound of flesh and whatever way we think that we should get it we try every single way to get that pound of flesh but the Lord is saying that is not how we're to deal with people. And that's not how we deal with one another. Whether you're in the church or outside of the church, this message is for you this morning and for me. Because we all go through different situations who cause us not to forgive or to be wounded or to be offended by someone. Let us put it this way. If you are not offended or someone has not hurt you in any way probably you're physically dead because it's like something that must happen it's not like if it's gonna happen it's just when and so the lord teaches us that we should forgive and when we were when the lord gave us the lord's trial if we notice it says forgive our debt he forgave our debt as we forgive our debtors people who have offended us unforgiveness causes bit bitterness and resentment and hostility it has no place in the christian faith and we need to recognize that we have the responsibility to i'm speaking to myself as well so nobody feel odd we have the responsibility to guard our hearts we may choose to or choose not to but in the proverbs it, it asks us to guard our hearts because out of it flows the issues of life. Proverbs 4. We, if we do not guard our hearts, we'll be in forgiveness, as the analogy that I stated earlier, hugging up the cobra and hoping something will happen to the other person. We are to keep short accounts and forget and forgive quickly. When we refuse to forgive and we are harsh, we are just like the servant 
that was stated in Matthew 18, insisting that we are paid back when we have been forgiven so much. When we have been forgiven of all our sins against God. I've spent the better part of more half of my life in the church, basically. And I was brought up in a Catholic background. So the basic foundation of the church I had. And so for me, you know that you're supposed to forgive, but you don't recognize the different ways that it stays with you if you're not walking in that place recognizing that you need to check your heart every now and then in matthew eleven twenty five, it says and when you stand praying if you have if you hold anything against anyone it says forgive them so that your Father in heaven will forgive you. If there is anyone that you have not forgiven, it makes no sense, we pray. The Lord will not be forgiving us. Because at the end of the Matthew 18, verse 21 to 35, when the rich master found out that his servant that he had forgiven so much was out strangling his fellow man for a very small amount the master came back and locked him up and told him that until he pays his debt he will not come out we need to be in a place where we recognize that we have been forgiven a lot by Christ. Our debt is so massive. And sometimes we are in a place where we're in denial, not recognizing how much the Lord has forgiven us. And therefore, we become ungrateful and unforgiving and forgetting that we have been forgiven much the reality is that if christ did not come and forgive us we would have had a place in hell right now if we don't know christ if we don't know christ there is no sin in heaven. There is no fellowshipping with the Father. And even if we do know Christ and we hold others in our hearts, even if we do not admit that we are offended, the Lord knows what is going on in our hearts. And therefore, we are in unforgiveness. I would like to walk us through quick um, ways in which we need to forgive. In order to forgive, 
we have to come to a place of humility, recognizing that we are offended because pride will tell us that, oh, you're not offended and um, we're fine, we're surviving and we're okay and the person doesn't matter, but that is not true. If you want to move out of that prison of unforgiveness and walk in freedom, I'm not telling you anything that I've perfected. I am going through the process. But this is what the Bible says. Number one, recognize my need to forgive others. Humble myself. Admit that you are offended. So for those in our congregation and for those who are listening out there, I want to do things a little bit differently. If you are out there and you are struggling with a situation, with some loss, you have been abused emotionally, you have been abused physically, you are upset with your spouse, you are upset with your mother, you are upset with your father, whomever it is. This is a time for practicality. So just stand and raise your hand and repeat after me. Father, I have harbored unforgiveness in my heart. I have harbored in hate and indifference. And I want vengeance. I have been critical. I've been judgmental. I've put myself in the place of God. Wanting things. How I see fit. Choosing the punishment for my offender. I have made sly remarks. I have thought horrible things towards the person. I have not been kind. Lord, forgive me of my sins. Also, before we move on, this is just a Something that I came up with in terms of thinking of if I'm going to the Lord to say I am going to forgive this person, I need to recognize also that it is not just them who did something to me, but we need to be in a place where we recognize that we have done wrong. Sometimes it's not what we voice, but the things that we have done behind the person's back the discussions we have had about them. And so we have harbored malintentions towards the person. 
Forgiveness is not something easy to do because it requires us to humble ourselves. And as human beings, we are not naturally humble. We are prideful and arrogant. And sometimes we have false humility, which is hidden. It's hidden in such a way that we say, oh Lord, I'm not like this. But you know, but in your same self, you are like them if people are really to know what's going on in your heart. The verse that started me on this part with um, forgiveness, it says, walk humbly before your God. And humility is necessary in forgiving others. One of the reasons why it is difficult to forgive others, and sometimes even it is for, to forgive yourself, it's because you're not humble. If you are to look at it, <laughs> if you are to look at it, it is because you are not humble or you think that you are so good that you are unable to give, forgive yourself for whatever situation because you should have had the wisdom to know that this would have gone the wrong way. And so you have an inability to forgive yourself and you have an inability to forgive others because you should have known. You know, the Holy Spirit should have told you. But um, life is not like that. Number two, practical ways to walk in forgiveness and to come out of the prison of freedom is to exercise mercy and love. The word of God says in Matthew 5, verse 43 to verse 45. You have heard it said, that you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemies. But I say to you, love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Do good to those who hate you. Pray for those who spitefully use you and prosecute you. That you may be sons of your Father in heaven. Honestly, look into ourselves and look into our hearts. Are we doing that? Are we praying for our enemies? Or for those we consider our enemies? Are we praying goodwill for them? Are we at a place where we are kind to people who are not kind to us. When you look in the church today, that's not happening. When we look outside of the church, it's definitely not happening. We need to be at a place where we look to the Lord. I was researching and um, came up on this, this scripture that I've read over and over again and 
never quite saw it that way. Um, I think it was it's Psalm 35. Uh, let us look for Psalm 35 and let us look at it. Our sister Tamar is going to read Psalm 35 from verse 12 to verse 14. You know how we always we always look at David and think, oh, David says, strike my enemies, Lord. And when we are going through a situation, we say, strike them down, Lord. And, you know, we believe that we are David's and this is what, but this is what David said. A lot of people don't even notice. Good morning. This is coming from the New Living Translation and it says, verse 12, they repay me evil for good. I am sick with despair. Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them, but my prayers returned unanswered. 14. I was sad as though they were my friends or family, as if I were grieving for my own mother. Thank you, sister. All my life, I used to think David was that man of vengeance's mind, and you know, that's not the case. David fasted and prayed fervently for his enemies. He cried for them as though it was his mother who died. As though he was crying for his very mother. Have we ever done that for anybody who have hurt us? Have we ever done that at all for our enemies? Jesus said that we should love our enemies and you know, you thought, okay, it's in the Old Testament. Um, I remember my, my earlier years in my Christian walk, I, I was a New Testament person and my fellow, a friend of mine who, she was Old Testament and she knew everything in the Old Testament and I knew everything in the New Testament and so when we came together it was more the um, situation where she would argue from the Old Testament while I would argue from the New Testament but here it is in black and white that David we, we used to say that oh the God of the Old Testament I mean if we sinned we would have been struck dead on his spots and the God of the New Testament you know no but then that's not true um, here it is, David prayed for his enemies. And this is where exercising mercy came in. Mercy to others is loving them. Loving them to the point that you can pray for their goodwill in such a way that you pray for them as if they're your spouse, as if they're your child, as if they are you, all the good things you want for yourself. You are to pray for your enemies. It is evident in Psalm 35 there that David was busy praying for his enemies, fasted for his enemies. To be honest, I've never done that. I've never fasted for my enemies. I didn't even saw it that way. 
I read it before, over and over again, but as you can read the same scripture five, 15 different times and you get 15 different things from the Lord. But I never saw it that way. So that was something new for me. So in different situations, you know that you're to be fasting, praying fervently, not just praying with, oh Lord, bless them, or oh Lord, show them the truth, change their hearts, Lord. No, have the Lord change yours. So you may be able to love your enemies and wanting the best for them. Not hoping that they'll drop in a hole or they'll drop in a pit. Because you are determining what the payment will be for them. Not allowing Christ to work through you. Can you pray for someone you don't love? Question. Question for you. Can you pray fervently for someone you do not love? Is that possible? It's possible to play fervently with a deep, deep, serious conviction. <laughs> no. The Lord will change your heart in the process and you will end up loving them. That's the reason why the Lord says, pray for those who hurt us. No, but it, the thing is, we start with very baby prayers of Lord bless them, Lord change them hearts, Lord forgive them, Jesus. Jesus, you see what they did to me, oh God, forgive them. No, no, the Lord says, love those who hurt you. He says, love. So, when you humble yourself and walk in mercy, and grace you are able to forgive you are able to pray fervently as David did as though he was praying for his mother obviously David loved his mother um, that is point number two and point number three it says continue in mercy continue extending mercy How do we continue extending mercy? We need to understand that we are not perfect. We are not perfect. Let us do that again. We are not perfect. Congregation, we are not perfect. Let us tell ourselves that again. We are not perfect. Therefore, Father, help me not to expect perfection from others. We hold others at gunpoint if possible. And that's just an analogy. I'm not being serious here. You know, we're in Texas. We're not going there. Um... We hold each other to such high standards and we do not hold ourselves to that. 
And sometimes we hold ourselves to high standards and we are expecting that of other people. Every person on the face of this earth is unique. And not only are they unique, but we each have different idiosyncrasies and we have different things about us that are not likable. A part of walking in mercy is to be able to accept individuals for who they are and love them just the way they are. I heard a speaker once when they were smoking, um, they were um, speaking on forgiveness and they were sharing about the fact that they looked up to someone and the person had done wrong to them. But when they met the person, they were so in love with them and they could think the person did no wrong and so they ran into the friendship and they treat the person this way and the person was not what they expected. And when the person did not live up to their expectations, they were disappointed because the person did them a lot of wrong. And so they withdrew and withdrew their love and became indifferent. A lot of people think that hating someone means, you know, passionate dislike. But hating is also indifference. You don't care whether per the person is dead or alive. You don't care what happens to the person day to day. You do not care for them. And this is indifferent. You withhold and withhold our love from each other in unforgiveness. And the Lord is saying no. It says bear with each other. What does it mean to bear? It means to be able to serve each other despite the idiosyncrasies and the, the things that you do not like in others. But something um, occurred to me a couple of years ago. I have a lot of different idiosyncrasies. I'm the first one to say that. Sometimes I will say I'm weird. But we all have a lot of faults. And it came to me the same way you might think that person who have done you wrong, what they have done is unforgivable. There is someone out there thinking that you did, you did them wrong and what you have done to them is unforgivable. We often as human beings do not look on both sides and weigh the scale. It, we, we are not willing to do that. We can always see what is done to us. And, you know, because we worship ourselves sometimes, we put ourselves on pedestal and we think that we are so good and we are so this way. And what is done to us is so unforgivable and wicked of the person. For those who have gone through divorces and have gone through life-changing experiences, you can see how much horrible things that person did for you. If you were fired, you can see how much the, the employer was wicked and evil and bad, but you never saw what you did. Extending continued mercy. Let us go back to scriptures requires us 
to act in integrity. I was brought to the story of Moses and I recognize that though his, for those who want to read it, I think it's somewhere in the 30s of Genesis where um, his brother sold him and we know the story of Joseph. His brother sold him into slavery and they had wanted to kill him but they decided not to and sold him into slavery for less than the amount that he was they would have sell a, a slave for at that time he went to Potiphar and Potiphar's wife accused him whatever and he ended up into prison when he went through all of what his brothers had caused him to go through Joseph never told his father what his brothers did his father went to his grave quite peaceful when Joseph saw his brother and had the opportunity to get back at them and to fix them properly, Joseph asked all the servants to leave the room before he even discussed anything with his brothers. Joseph maintained the reputation of his enemies. Are we in the habit of maintaining integrity and maintaining others' reputation? Are we in the habit of doing that? If we are honest, we recognize that we have not done that. But something bad happened to us and we believe that we have been wrong and we run and we tell five people how much they are wicked and evil and what they have done to us is so unforgivable. Or if we don't tell five people, we go home and we tell our spouse and we tell our best friends and we tell somebody. We tell everybody about what has been done to us. We do not maintain any form of integrity in a situation, but instead we gossip. We gossip about others and we share and we malign and we damage people's reputation even when we are not even sure that is exactly what happened we go and we damage reputation Joseph it was obvious what his brothers were do doing it was obvious what they did but he did not tell his father he did not go about and tell his servants and tell everybody what has happened another thing I thought was amazing was that the cupbearer that did not remember Joseph Joseph never said a word to him the Bible doesn't state that he said you remember how I did I interpret the dream for you and you never even remember me for two years in prison you know hello cupbearer why is so wicked no he stayed there and he also maintained that Joseph was, Joseph did not come back and pointed out what the cupbearer did wrong or share it with others. Pray that the Lord will change our attitude towards others because the truth is, He asked us in this situation 
in extending love. 1 Peter 2, 1 Peter 4 verse 8 says, um, Love covers above all things. Have fervent love one to another. Love will cover a multitude of sins. It also said, says in Proverbs that love covers a multitude of sin. In our love and not exposing others to the element of what we believe they have done to us. And even if they have done something, but the mere fact that we go and speak about it and harbor unforgiveness. clearly points out that that's not the way to go and it is sinful in first corinthians 13 verse 5 it says love remembers no wrong mercy and love is is something that we use back and forth it's the same thing that we're talking about love remembers no wrong Love holds rec no record of wrong. If we are walking in love and forgiveness, we are to be in a place of not exposing people's sin. It is not a sin that people is walking in, but we must remember that we are not perfect. And if you see someone that has done you wrong and that they have not even noticed that they were not walking in love, God says to pray for them. He never said that we are to judge or we are to determine what is right or wrong. But he says that love remembers no wrong. It says that love covers a multitude of sin. And then just to tie up and to go back to the place where it says, in Psalm 130, sorry, verse 3, it says, if the Lord kept a record of our sins, who would stand? Who would stand? Question. Would you stand? Would you, anybody out there that's listening, would you be able to stand if God kept a record of your sin? Anybody in the audience? Anybody in the congregation? Would you be able to stand? No. Therefore, Lastly, point number four, trust God to work out whatever hiccups after you have released the person by name, after you have prayed fervently for them, fervently in love as if you are praying for your very self, fast if possible, Pray like you're praying for your spouse or your child or your mother, whomever you love the most. Continue to extend love and mercy, recognizing that you are not perfect and therefore do not expect perfection from others. And finally, trust God to work out whatever situation it is. If the person come back 
and ask for forgiveness or apologize, forgive before they come back. It is not a requirement that the person will apologize. But if they then come back, then there can be re reconciliation. You can go to the person and reconcile. But in order for there to be reconciled, it should be that there is an apology. Forgiveness is different from reconciliation. And the Lord will then restore the relationship having when we have done all these things. Unfortunately, as human beings, we walk in so much pride and pompousness and we place ourselves on platters. But I think it says somewhere, yes it does, that we are not to think too highly of ourselves. And we are to esteem others, thank you sister, above ourselves. Are we esteeming others above ourselves? These questions I ask, I ask you out there listening, listening tomorrow, listening next week. I ask you who are standing in front, sitting in front of me, I ask myself, are we walking humbly before God? And so if you recognize that you have not been walking humbly before the Lord and extending mercy to others and loving others and treating them better than we treat ourselves, or sometimes the problem is that we can't treat others well because we really don't love ourselves, wherever you are, whatever it is, we need to go before the Lord and repent. And so... Let us put our hearts in a place where we are humble before the Lord. And we come recognizing that we are sinners and we need help. I don't know about anybody else, but I need a lot of help. I need so much help. I think... That I used to make fun and say that the Lord is tired of hearing from me, but that is impossible. I even need just to walk from point A to point B. I, need, I know that I need help. So anyone who is walking alongside me and who is out there, who needs help, for the people that don't need help, this is not for you because you are already perfect. But for those who are imperfect, hold on to it and recognize, Lord God, I need to repent before you. And so I come, Father God. For those who are accepting Christ for the first time, let us walk together. Let us pray this together. Father, I recognize that I have sinned against you. And not just against you, but against my fellow man. I believe that you died and raised and was raised from the dead. And I want you to come into my life.
Forgive me, Lord, of all my sins. Cleanse me from all my unrighteousness and iniquity. Come into my heart and change me from the inside. Empower me to walk in your way and in your will. For those who just prayed that prayer, you may call us, Brother Kirk, give us the number at 469-333-0397 and tell us of the wonderful work the Lord has done for you today. Give us a testimony of what he has done. For those who are already saved and need to repent, let us pray as well. Father, I recognize that I have harbored unforgiveness in my heart. I have not extended mercy. I have not walked in mercy. I have not walked in love, Lord, like you command us to. Lord, change my attitude to know that I am not perfect. And so I do not expect perfection from others. But Lord, by your grace and your mercy, come and change my heart, transform my heart, remove the folly grounds, remove the thistles and thorns and the hard places of our hearts. Remove all that is not of you, Lord God, and fill us with your mercy and your grace. Give us grateful hearts for what we have accepted from you, Lord, that we may mock in your mercy, that we may extend grace and mercy to others. Though we expect it from you, Lord, give us an empowerment, Lord, to walk in grace and mercy, to walk humbly before you. Lord, in our minds where we have put ourselves as idols, Mash down the folly groans. Break them down, Lord God. All those idols of ourselves. Remove them, Father. Lord, it is because of pride why the enemy was thrown out of your kingdom. Let not pride and unforgiveness Stay in our hearts, stay in us, Lord God, but remove it. Lord, we come before you humbly recognizing, Father God, that you are God and we are not. In the word it says, vengeance is yours. But you also said, Father God, clearly that we must forgive as you forgive. We must behave like you. We must walk like Christ. 
Empower us today to walk like Christ Jesus. Empower us to love each other, Lord God. Because if we love each other, half the things that we do and we think and we say, we would not have said them. We would not do them. By your grace, empower us a fresh Holy Spirit that we may walk in righteousness. In Jesus' name, live by his grace. Amen. Thank you. Give it up for Sister Anne. Yes, thank you for sharing the word. Awesome. What a blessing. Standing ovation is necessary. The awesomeness of sharing and presenting. Thank you again. And this is New Life Horizon Church. Uh, we pray that you will continue to worship with us as we close out in song. God is the strength of all. God is truly the strength. He's our help in the time of trouble. The times when we seem overwhelmed and we don't know which way to turn. We can run to the rock that is higher than I. Hallelujah.